0: funfactory.com has partnered with locker room talk and shots so when you use my special code sels20 you get 20% off your fun factory purchase just head to us.funfactory.com and use my code sels20 at checkout for 20% off sex toys lube massage oils and more cheers (laughs) do the sex Hi, this is Annette Benedetti, your hostess for a Locker Room Talk and Shots, the podcast that likes to think of itself as the queer NPR of raunchy women's sex talk. You are about to sit in on the kind of conversations women have on their girls' nights out or behind closed doors while enjoying delicious drinks and dishing about sex. Think fun, honest, and feminist as fuck, and always with the goal of fighting the patriarchy one orgasm at a time. Welcome to the locker room. <laughs> loud. Today's locker room talk and shots topic is So You Think You Can Porn Navigating the Adult Industry with award winning adult performer and sex expert Jessica Drake. Now, you guys all know I've long had dreams of starring in porn. And more recently, those dreams have been reignited by the Hump Film Festival. I'm like, I want to write a script, maybe star in it a little bit, but I'm not going to lie. I am nowhere near taking that leap. And a lot of the reason around it is, well, lack of knowledge, also being really still plagued by some of the stigma around the idea of doing something like that and just a lot of misinformation. Well, lucky for me and you... I have literally the best guest I could have on today to fill some of that information gap in for me to help, you know, talk to the disinformation out there and also maybe give me tips so that perhaps one day I can fulfill this goal on my sex bucket list. My guest today is Jessica Drake. She is a certified sex educator. A multi-award-winning adult performer, she was named 2017's Sexpert of the Year by XBiz and trained by San Francisco Sex Information and is a member of the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Jessica works with organizations and universities to foster sex-positive attitudes and behaviors with the goal of de-shaming and embracing human sexuality. Now, that's my kind of woman right there. Jessica, I would love for you just to take a moment, as if many of my listeners don't already know who you are, to tell everybody a lot more about you.
1: Well, um, thank you, first of all, for the amazing introduction. As y'all might have heard, my name is Jessica Drake. Um, I have been in the adult industry for more than 20 years, right, at this point, I mean, 2022. And I'm originally from Texas. There's a really interesting backstory as to how I got into the business and over the years, especially over the past maybe 10 or 12 years, my career has really taken a completely different trajectory than I ever imagined that it would. Um, I'm really happy to be here today and talk about all of that and also share with you some other things that I have going on that don't have anything at all to do with porn.
0: So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, listeners, you want to stay to the end. If, if you are all interested, like I am, in perhaps dipping your toe in the water of getting into the adult industry, Jessica is going to give us some great tips um, and, and kind of help us take those next steps. So you're going to want to stay to the end when you will get the takeaways you get every week uh, that you can start implementing in your life and career today. Um, so Jessica, let's raise our glasses and get ready to talk about porn. Let's talk about porn. Here. let's do it. So I just want to jump right in with your story, how you got into the porn industry and what that looked like for you.
1: Yeah, so um, it's not anything that I ever imagined that I would be doing. And I think part of that reason is the massive uh, stigma that goes along with the adult industry, the all the stereotypes that people have, all of the preconceived notions they have of what being in porn is or what being a sex worker is. I mean, I had them myself in the beginning. And it's really interesting. I, I come from East Texas. I was raised Very conservatively, uh, I was raised Jehovah's Witness as well. I had abstinence only, sex education, barely. Um, You know, I had a lot of uh, misinformation taught to me about sex or no information and a lot of fear-based stuff. So I found myself leaving home at a younger age uh, because of how repressive it was and I've been a lot more forthcoming about this lately in the past few years. But look, the reality is I was an underage stripper in Texas and I continued being a stripper and I decided I needed to go to college, uh, not because I was sure that I knew what I wanted to do, but just because I thought it was the thing to do. So I was going to college. I was probably about 24, 25 by this time. So I had had a whole life already, um, dancing, going to school and working other jobs. And I worked at a club that had feature entertainers and a feature entertainer is a performer who comes through, um, usually works two or three days only on the weekends, does big theme shows, gets paid really great money to do that. And they just travel, Um, Many of them have magazine credits or movie credits or mainstream credits of some sort. So I got it in my head that I wanted to be a feature dancer. I already had the really big shows and the really big costumes, already super comfortable on stage. Um, Contacted a dance agency. They sent some people out to meet me. And little did I know that those people had ties to the adult industry here in California. And my first impression was... um, no, <laughs> there's no way I could ever do that. But I ended up being friends with these people. So it was a a couple. It was a, a husband and wife couple. Um, he was a director. She was an actress. Also, they had other people out in Texas with them: a photographer, a makeup artist, um, other people in their crew. And I was like, wow, you know, these people are amazing. They became my friends. I came out to LA a few times to spend time with them. And I think a pivotal moment for me was when they took me onto the set of an adult movie. And I will never forget, like I was a Jill Kelly fan back then. Um, And it was, it was a Jill Kelly movie and they took me onto the set and they made me the the condom and lube person. So (laughs) I was standing like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away from one of my sex idols and they were having sex. (laughs) And my mind was blown. Um, And it was my responsibility to give them condoms when they needed them and offer lube and like go run and get them water and baby wipes and paper towels. And I mean, it sounds really funny to say it now. And also a bit surreal when I think about where I came from versus then and what I saw versus where I am today. But like, I was thrilled. It was the time of my life. And of course I left that set going oh, it's nothing like I thought it was, you know. So I kept coming out here to LA from Texas and I started dabbling in adult work. So I did a few magazines, uh did a little like HBO Skinamax type stuff, girl in bikini number 4. Um and then, you know, we were sitting around talking one day and they said, do you want to do a movie? And I said, yes. And it just sort of popped out before I knew like what I said. And, and they went, whoa, because they were kind of kidding. They were like, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And the 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 biggest takeaway that I want anyone listening um, to this to have is that this awesome group of people that I met that I spent like probably a year with before I decided to take the plunge before they shot me in a movie, they said, listen, we have to tell you something. Um, this can be amazing. You can have the time of your life. Like you can make a ton of money. You can meet people travel, you know, do, do all the things, get all the attention, like feel awesome, but it will always haunt you. And I didn't quite know what they meant, but I definitely took those words into some kind of consideration. Um, They told me that it will forever change the way that some people think about me. And I've lived that again and again and again. Um, But that speaks to the stigma, which we can expand on later. Um, But in a nutshell, that is how I came to be sitting at this desk now all these years later. And it has been an absolute adventure.
0: I just love that your story is going from condom and lube girl to sex <laughs> expert. Like I mean a, a sex educator, a sex expert, like this award-winning like well-respected uh performer and 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 someone who really is helping guide people in having healthier, better sex. You know, I think that's incredible. Uh do you ever think back to those condom and lube days and just <laughs> I
1: can't that's just, Yeah. And I also think, wow, what an easier time.
0: <laughs> you just had to hand them the lube and the kind, you know, I think women we kind of know when it's time for that change. But um yeah. again, there's a lot of stigma about women who get into porn being just these really broken down women who are lured into porn and doing things they don't want to. Can you speak to that sort of vision that is created around women in porn and your experience going into porn? We'll be right back. My code S-E-L-S-20 is your key to kicking off the sexiest new year ever had when you use it at funfactory.com. Enjoy 20% off Fun Factory's luxury products including vibrators, cock rings, lube, and more when you use my code S. E L 20 Check out the Vim Vibrating Wand. Yes, the one featured on this podcast thumbnail. Grab the nose vibrating cockring and experience more simultaneous orgasms in 2024. And don't forget to check out their rabbit style vibes. I'm talking about the Lady By for toe curling blended O's all year long. Just fill your cart and use code S-E-L-S-20 at checkout and enjoy 20% off when you shop funfactory.com cheers
1: yeah I think that it's really important to acknowledge that I can only speak from my own lived experience and and also though a lot of the things that I've seen over the years because you know the performer pool at times um especially pre-covid was it felt a great deal smaller and to some degree a bit siloed. Um, I can say, though, with great certainty that as a performer and a director, I have never, nor have I, um, seen anyone who was not here of their own accord. Um, And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen being a sex worker at all, I'm um, saying this is not anything that I've personally seen. Um, I mean, you heard the story. I I really c- came into this gradually, but then absolutely made a very informed decision when I decided to do it. Um, but there are a lot of other stigmas that go along with being an adult performer. Um, I think one of the most pervasive, well, they're, they're all super bad, actually. Um, we're all broken, we're all damaged, we're all abused, we're all um, either addicted to drugs or alcohol or both. And I think I think that if we zoom out um, and we take a look at the bigger picture and not just hold the adult industry under a microscope, particularly lately, right like maybe the last five plus years as a society, we're becoming more and more comfortable acknowledging and talking about mental health issues and trauma. And I don't think it's fair to say that everyone in the adult industry is damaged or, you know, has, and this is, this is one of my pet peeves, has Mm -hmm. daddy issues. Like, yes, let's blame the person on the father's failure. Like, oh, Um, but I just don't think that that's, I think it's a very broad generalization. Um, and also in the beginning of my story as to how I got here, I disclosed that I was raised really strict, grew up Jehovah's Witness, and left home at an early age and became an underage stripper. So, you know, to some degree, some things are true, but I don't think that they're specific to our industry. Another thing that really gets me, and I don't know why this is still surprising to me, but if I disclose to someone that I'm in the adult industry, they think that I am just having sex with everybody all the time. And that couldn't be further from the truth, because if anything, being in the adult industry has made me incredibly selective about the people that I have sex with. And, you know, sometimes I'm just happy to have sex with myself, (laughs) quite honestly. You know, um, and then, then, uh, and I'll get, I'll get super serious here for a second and say that some of the most damaging things that are happening with adult performers right now is this ongoing discussion where folks are conflating human trafficking with consensual sex work. And it just keeps on happening. And it, it presents itself um, with things like Harmful legislation being passed under the guise of stopping human trafficking. Um, That's how we ended up with SESTA FOSTA, which is awful for all parties involved. Um, And these things, it's not sex work that is the danger here, it's the way that sex workers are treated like we're disposable, like um, you can't, like people have said in court, police have said we can't rape a prostitute. Um, it's I think it's theft of services was the quote. Um, they don't recognize us as valuable human lives, and that's why we're seeing the loss of so many sex workers, particularly Black trans sex workers. And I really think that we need to think about what the stereotype is really doing to people. I've also had friends, especially lately, because I don't know what's going on with the banking, but it's getting increasingly worse. Um, there is banking discrimination, right? Straight across the board uh, with performers, with sex workers. Um, I have someone that I know who had their Wells Fargo account canceled, their business account, corporate account canceled last week with over 40 or $50,000 in it. The bank offered no explanation and said it could take up to six weeks to get their money, you know, for, for, for no reason. Chase has a reputation for doing that as well. You know, it's just very pervasive, the stigma. And it it just, it's, it's in all parts of our lives. It's a really big deal.
0: Right. And without the stigma and without that type of discrimination, you're going to see people thrive at their profession, which, and, and when more, you know, credit is given to and prestige is given to a profession the more power that is held within that profession and when you are empowered you're less likely to end up being hurt raped like put into dangerous situations so um yeah i mean certainly on the show and in my community we are very pro-sex worker um it's a it's a legitimate profession and i think the people i know that are in it are just really amazing, intelligent and empowered people. So I am curious about your journey through working in the adult industry. What, how do you think it affected your growth as a person, how you viewed the world around world around you and people? Mm,
1: that's a great one. So I would say, Initially getting into the adult industry, I became very critical of myself because I came into porn in, I think I did my first movie at the very end of 99, the beginning of 2000. So, I mean, imagine societal beauty standards now, um, what's in as far as beauty trends and like body type and all that. Well, back then it was really different. And I was sort of served up this idea of what sex should look like and what porn should look like and what a porn star looks like. And to some degree, I conformed because that's what you do when you when you get in, you want to fit in. Um, and I think coming into the industry, not at 18 or 19 or 20 or even 21 20 or 23, um, I think I was able to bring with me some comfortability with my body and some knowledge and already a bit of exploration that I wouldn't have had if I would have come in younger. But still, I was super conscious about seeing myself have sex on camera for the first time. So I watched that first movie. And so I, my brain did two things at the same time. First, well, at the same time, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hot. Simultaneously, I was like, oh, what face am I making? Why are those folds in the side of my body? Like, oh, is that, is that an orgasm face? Like, eh, don't do that again. Like it was, but then I was like, oh, it's so hot. It's so sexy, you know, like, oh, I'm having good sex. But then watching it, it just did a number on me it really did and so it became a problem for a number of months actually i would watch a scene and like be so hard on myself and critique myself and make notes for next time you know until i found that i wasn't enjoying having sex on camera as much and luckily i had the presence of mind to be like oh yeah no you can't watch yourself anymore you're you're grounded from watching your scenes so I was able to do that, and then like later on, now when I watch scenes that I do or content that I create, I strictly enjoy it. Um, but it was definitely a, a progression of time. It was uh, comfortability. It, it was therapy too. You know, it was the the knowledge that we all have the same concerns and figuring out what we like and what works for our bodies and. I think that's what really changed things for me. Um, The other thing that Lauren did that I imagine I already sort of had from leaving home early and being a dancer at a very young age, gave me a very thick skin uh, made me um, not care very much what people thought of me, although I did waste some time and they're really caring what people thought of me. Um, But it helps with all of that too. Um, It made me very, I would say creative um, made me look at things from a lot of different ways as I morphed uh, from being just a performer to a writer and a director before I got into the sex education side of what I do. I just, I just became so creative because I had absorbed everything that I had seen in porn, like a sponge. So I was never just sitting on set waiting to do a scene I was always talking to everyone or helping out or helping the lighting guys or just wanting to be a bigger part of what I was doing. Um, and so that was really cool. I definitely wouldn't say I was self-taught, but I I took the initiative, right, to learn from all the people around me. And the creativity that it fostered in me definitely led to some really big cool things and opportunities. So they porn did a lot for me, really.
0: Yeah, how cool. So then you went into writing and directing. And what like sex is such a rich topic for getting creative and especially writing and getting to create a script and a film and direct it. That's amazing. Like what a dream job. So yeah. um so on that note, am I correct? In saying that you are about my age at 40 in your later 40s? Yes.
1: My birthday is October the 14th. Very soon.
0: And folks, you should head over to YouTube in case and watch this on YouTube because, you know... I get a lot of – look, I'm in, quote, the adult industry in what I talk about on this podcast. And it really resonated what you said at the beginning about – taking that leap into doing this podcast, it was like this quote will haunt me. Yes, it's going to change very much how people see me. um, And there's no getting away from that. Um, And one on on social media, and one of the things that terrible men love to say when they hear my age is, oh, she's old, and no one wants her anymore. And blah, blah, blah. Well, I am, I think I might be a year older than you. But whatever, we're like twinsies. And and you want to go check out Jessica I'm just saying women my age are hot as
1: fuck
0: I'm like this is my moment of pride to be able to show exactly what women in their 40s and, and 50s I mean we're not there yet but uh, are beautiful hot and sexy and I believe you mentioned you are still creating some content are you you still making films We'll be right back. Start the new year off with a bang. My code EXPLORES15 gets you 15% off Womanizer.com's famous pleasure air tech sex toys. You know, the clit-satisfying sucking sensation that guarantees explosive orgasms. Just go to Womanizer.com and check out my personal favorite, the Womanizer Duo 2 get ready for blended orgasms, or the premium too. Womanizer.com has something for you, whether you are seeking clitastic satisfaction, blended orgasms, or explosive G-spot experiences. Just shop womanizer.com and use my code EXPLORES15 at checkout for 15% off. That's 15% off all womanizer.com products with my code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers.
1: Yeah. Uh So I am, I am my own content creator and I'll explain what that means. But first I want to piggyback on what you were just saying. Like, I think the other thing that's changed a great deal in our industry is we really have discovered because you can't argue with like traffic, web traffic, and you can't argue with number of clicks or ratings on scenes, but like people are into people of all different ages and all different body types. So we've sort of just blown the societal beauty standard or their ages and beliefs out of the water over here in porn. Um, And personally for me, I have never been happier with my body. I've never been more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. I have flaws. I have had flaws or, or things that I perceive as flaws, I have had flaws since I was a baby stripper in El Paso. Like I hated my knobby knees and my flat chest and my, (laughs) like I already had things I disliked about myself. I have fewer things now and I would not trade this age for anything. And it's a really cool time too, because I think society to some degree is starting to be more open to talking about women getting older. I think women getting older, of course, are leading the conversation. And like kudos to all of us brave women out there that are talking about it. But it's leading to to bigger things, you know, as far as aging and sexuality. We're starting to talk about perimenopause and menopause and. What is happening to our bodies and how can we do things to take care of ourselves and feel better? And it's just great to be a part of this movement and conversation. And so now I'll say um, I stopped shooting for other companies during covid uh, and the reason that I did is because it didn't feel safe to be shooting with other human beings during the time where there wasn't a vaccine. Nobody really knew what was going on. Like, I don't really think we still have the full picture. <laughs> but anyway, everything had shut down. So everyone was on hiatus. And during that time, I started an OnlyFans, like many other people did. And I spent probably the first year of COVID shooting just by myself. So what I mean by that is I was the lighting person, the camera person. I would build, if it was a little set, like I would build a little set. Um, You know, I was wardrobe, I was hair, I was makeup, I was all the things. Um, And if it was video, I would edit it. So I did all that. And then once I, I got more comfortable being around humans. Um, I started hiring a a very favorite photographer of mine and a few other people here and there to help me shoot content, but it's just been me. I've only shot solo since right before COVID started. I'm really active on OnlyFans, um, I just opened my books to take custom orders, which is really rare. I only do it like once or twice a year. I'm doing it right now. Um, And it makes me really happy. I, I did a shoot this morning at my house before I came into my office and just having absolute complete control over what I'm doing and what I look like and the platform I'm distributing it on and being the person who makes the money. Um, That's where I want to be in my life right now. So I have been toying with the idea lately of maybe shooting a few projects for a couple of companies or directors that I'm especially enamored with. But I can't make up my mind. You know, I think I think right now it might be all about me. So.
0: That's what this time of of life is like. And you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about women our age. Like I talk a lot on this podcast about I was dating for many, many years. And the older I got, the more I found, especially younger, much younger men were pursuing the fuck out of me. And, you know, the idea of a cougar, like seeking out younger men, like I never hunted the cubs like I wasn't right. into it. I mean, that just wasn't my thing. I mean, I did give it a spin. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. like <laughs> I was like I was like, all right well if you, if i if Try I must it. if i must i'll I'll give it a shot but um but, and uh, the older I get i am I'm telling you that I get more attention now than I did when I was younger. And I am, I think you're right, more comfortable in my body. I mean, and that's why I have had these fantasies and thoughts about creating my own content. I'm like, I feel really good. And I feel really sexy. And why? Why not? I guess that's why not. Indeed. I mean, (laughs) right. Uh, And just like you said, you're at this place where you're making these decisions about yourself because of your career. Um, So I think that's amazing. Now I'm gonna ask a question. I think everybody wants to know. Okay. Is the sex you're having in the videos? Good sex? is it good sex sometimes i watch porn and i'm like i don't is she re not not necessarily yours but i'm saying generally cuz i am a connoisseur of porn and i'm like is she is she into that and then t- sometimes i'm like she's definitely into that and so i'm curious unless give me a percentage how often is it good sex
1: oh. <laughs> um so that is definitely not a uh, one word answer question (laughs) Um, in the beginning. And I'll I'll answer for myself first, and then I'll answer from the perspective of being a director and being on hundreds of movie sets over the years. Um, So for me, it was super hot in the beginning because it was very new. So you have like the honeymoon stage, (laughs) if you will. And I would be very excited with just the idea that I was filming a hardcore sex that other people were going to see. And that alone was enough to get me off, really. Um, And then I was in the business a little bit longer. And I mean, it, it really this is true. If you're watching porn. Most of the time, the sex that you see is going to be very linear. It has like a formula. And the reason for that is, and a lot of people don't know this, we have broadcast requirements and like runtime requirements. So, how the scene is going to be sold and on what platform um, dictates how long it is or how many positions have to be covered or just different stuff, how it has to be shot. Um, so, it became linear, like kissing, kissing, oral, oral, position, 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 come shot. That's all. <laughs> and then it was done. So, I mean, it, it almost always was like that for the first few years that I did it, but I think I had like an aha moment and I'm pretty sure it happened uh, after one scene where I was on my knees with cum on my face, waiting for a towel. And I went, this isn't fair. Like, why is the money shot the most important thing in the scene? Why? Uh, Why am I doing positions that aren't particularly comfortable to me? Don't get me wrong. I'm bendy. Like, I'm really, like, bendy and flexible and I like my legs back here. But also, I want to get off a lot. So when that realization hit, um, I was, like, relentlessly pursuing my pleasure. (laughs) every time I shot a scene and it to some degree could be a problem to the director who was in a hurry to finish and go home. Um, But I would, and I always would get my partners to do the things that I needed to get off. And so this is sort of like a side topic here, but payment processors um, that process members payments online, like for a website or whatever, have these rules and you can't shoot things if they're on the no list at the time choking was one of those things and choking is also something not real like yeah. i'm going to cut off your air supply choking but like a love a hand on my neck and one of the things that i heard the most common was stop choking jessica that would be the director's command to whoever i was in the scene with or stop slapping one another that's enough spanking stop choking. Like, so I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get off. And if I haven't gotten off, I'm rubbing my own clit or, um, when I'm bringing toys to the set, I make sure that they're charged or they have batteries or whatever, even though the sound guy says that destroys their audio, but like I get off. That being said, there are always those scenes where like you show up uh, It's happened to me quite a few times. I've been really eager to work with a woman who I fantasized about. I don't really know her, but, you know, she's been in the business. She's a big name. I can't wait to get my hands on her and we're booked for a scene. And then I find out that she's not into women. It's it's so sad. It makes me so sad. It really does look, oh, what a waste. Because if you're not into it, I don't want to be doing it with you. You know I can feel the lack of chemistry or participation for that matter. um if you're gonna eat me out, you need to mean it.
0: <laughs> um, oh my God, but- this is like uh the uh, by woman's plight in life i or you know this really does like tie over into real life when you get into a threesome and and you're like, you're really there for the woman. And then you realize, Oh, the woman's just doing this for the man. And that is the ickiest feeling in the world.
1: Yeah. It feels like bait. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. Been there. Absolutely been there. That was my, (laughs) one of my ex's favorite pastimes. Um, but anyway, (laughs) uh, I will close my mouth on that topic. Um, and other times we find ourselves, if it's a big movie, we do dialogue all day long and it's like very complicated things that we're doing. And when it comes to the sex, we're tired or it's outside and it's 40 degrees or we're in platform heels in a man made waterfall or something like that. So no, not every scene is a good scene um, to answer the question very simply. Not every scene is a good scene, but I try to always maximize the pleasure that I'm having by doing the sex acts that I enjoy, no matter what. (laughs) Um, Clitoral stimulation is a must for me. I choose partners based on chemistry. Um, And then I I really like, I've said this so many times and as the years have gone by, I, I understand more what it means. I lose myself in the sex. The sex on camera is good to me when there are no more cameras anymore. When I'm not thinking about my O face or the rolls on my side or like, oh, throw my hair that way or don't make that face or when all of that noise fades away into the background and I can just concentrate on just great fucking, then that's my happy place. (laughs) That's my nirvana. That's where I
0: want to be. Yeah, I guess that was what I wondered were our performers allowed to prioritize their own pleasure in the process to some extent. I know you're there to make a movie. And so that's ultimately I mean, that's a job. It's a job. But even in our jobs, everyday jobs, you definitely try to maximize what isn't, you know, what makes the job fun and, and something you want to return to. All right. Just one last question. I mean, are there like when I'm watching, sometimes I'm like, ow, ow, you know, because the guys just shove their dicks. Do you guys ever like, is it it as painful sometimes as it seems to me? Because I'm like, like warmer up a little bit. Like,
1: yeah. What (laughs) what viewers don't see. And I talk about this a lot. um, I do a lot of university um, conversations at universities about porn literacy, And one of the things that I'm teaching when we're talking about porn literacy or when we're having these conversations together and they're like some really open, candid conversations, is you have no idea what's taking place before the cameras start rolling. So for me, if I was expected to do like a really a harder scene with more aggression or pounding or anything like that, we've also most of the time We've also taken the stills for the scene before we actually shoot the scene, so we've had the sex before we're actually having the sex. Um, a lot of people don't know that, and some people just really like extreme hard, fast penetration. Others don't. Um, I do sometimes if I'm in the mood, if I'm like really, really worked up, then absolutely. But I, I think a lot of us do this if it's too much, too hard too fast, uncomfortable. We do the tap out. So like, I'll have my hand on my partner's back or his thigh or his ass or anywhere on his body, back of his arm. And if it's too much, I'm like, and that's take it down a notch, still too much, take it down another notch, you know? And a lot of the time viewers, viewers don't see this. They're not privy to this. So but everybody's different.
0: And you find that the people you work with are very responsive to your requests. Like, you feel like you can trust people. Like, if you're like, hey. (laughs) We'll be right back kick off the new year with a jaw dropping 30% off of some of the hottest sex toys and my favorite gleam lube with code EXPLORES30 when you shop thethruster.com. Known as the home of the incredible build your own thruster prime, thethruster.com is also partnered with lassiere.com where you'll find gorgeous vibrating steel toys and com, where you can grab a vibrating lipstick, a rubber ducky that gets lucky or even get pounded by Thor's hammer, literally all for 30% off with code Explorers30. Just head to the thruster.com where you'll find the thruster last year and boutique voila and enjoy 30% off your site-wide purchases with code Explorers30 at checkout. Cheers. So normally
1: I would say most of the time most of the time. I can't say 100% of the time. I have absolutely had uh, seen performers not listen to my yeses or my noes. I have had people begin to violate my boundaries. Um, now, so I would say in the past five plus years, I've gotten a lot better at very clearly communicating why that's not okay and why that won't happen again or I'll never work with the person again. Um, and I would say prior to that 90, I'll go with, I'll go with 90 to be on the safe side. 90% of the time, if I have said no, my no has been heard. Um, my wishes have been honored and the rest of the time it's been like, okay, maybe they were super excited and just needed to hear it a second time or whatever. Once or twice, they absolutely weren't listening and they went on my no list. Um, but I, I find and also recognizing that I'm coming from a place of privilege because I was contracted to a big studio for a really long time um, and called the shots on all of my movies. So I'm pretty sure there was also to some degree, um, I'll, I'll say respect for who I was in those moments and maybe people knew better than to go against my wishes. But I would say generally speaking, yes. My, our, our boundaries are respected.
0: What are the biggest changes you've seen in your industry since you entered it until now? Because I know from that timeline, obviously, a lot's changed as far as how people view porn um, and the kind of porn being made. But from an insider's point of view, what are the biggest changes that have taken place in the industry?
1: So I'm going to say for me during this span of a 20 plus year career, I would say there have been three that are massive. So the first one, and I still get eye rolls in colleges when I start talking about this, but the first one is when people decided that porn was not a product that they should pay for. So when piracy was so rampant that we couldn't put a movie up before it was on all of the tube sites for free, um, that people underestimate the damage that that, well, I mean, anybody that was around back then, they know exactly what damage that did to our industry, but nobody else really gets it. Um, So that was a piracy. Internet piracy was first the biggest change because suddenly people just weren't spending money on porn anymore. And when that happened, bigger budget movies were much harder to shoot. So we would go from shooting a movie with a $350,000 budget and real special effects and real people coming over from mainstream to be on our cruise. You know, we went from that to really not being able to do that anymore. Um, and of course, for the industry, DVD sales went completely down. Um, everybody was downloading it for free. So piracy is one. Um, the second thing that happened a bit before the third thing um, was the Me Too movement. So, not that we've, not that we have not spoken out about it before. But after the Me Too movement in Hollywood, it was almost a legitimizing moment for the stories that we had been relaying all along. Um, And I was just having this conversation this morning with someone about lack of consent or boundary violations or even sexual assault in the adult industry. And I think if we zoom out and look at the bigger picture, that it's just very pervasive in our society Um, and the way people think about people in the adult industry and the way they shame us for being sex workers is sort of the way, the reason that it doesn't get taken so seriously. Right. So I would say the me too movement was something that empowered a lot of people in our industry To take to their platforms and share their experiences. And in turn, it definitely outed some of the abusers within our industry. And and that was a big time. Like that was a super, super big time. And I would I would say that the third thing was the impact that COVID had on our industry by placing so much control in the hands of performers. and What I mean by that is pre-COVID, we were quite reliant on bigger companies, um, studios. We wanted big movies. We wanted like that box cover shot. We wanted the starring role. We were in fierce competition with one another because that was sort of the way the industry was going. And when COVID happened, performers really branched out in a way that wouldn't have been possible a long time ago. So we have a lot of platforms that support us as independent content producers. For me, it's only fans and it's also clips for sale. Um, And I use all my social medias, of course, for promotion the other, the other really cool thing that it did is it it gave a lot of performers the ability to reach fans in a way that they never could before because this mainstream movie company over here wouldn't hire them because they didn't look a certain way or they didn't match what they thought their particular demographic wanted to see. So the power is definitely in the hands of the performers right now, which is probably the most empowered that we've ever been because there's no reason for me to tolerate an abusive director on set who's screaming at me. There's no reason for me to get up at 4am for a a 6am call time in the desert. There's no need for me to um, be put into an outfit that I don't feel my sexiest in. There's no need for me to work with someone that I am not absolutely just so magnetically attracted to like there's there's just no reason anymore and so i think overall that has been the most positive change for performers in the industry
0: you're far more empowered now yeah and i was empowered to begin with so right. can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> i know it sounds kind of like a dream job to me first of all i would love for you to share just maybe some of the top industry secrets that most of us don't know about you've already shared a couple right uh but is there anything that might surprise us that we don't know
1: maybe a secret is and now that dvds are all but obsolete um I think unless you're a real fan of behind the scenes or you're getting your information from like the social media of a performer and they're showing behind the scenes on their own, I think people just don't understand what really goes into making a movie, especially the bigger ones. I've had dialogue coaches for some of my movies. I've had stunt coordinators. I've had firearm trainers. I've had... I mean, just rehearsals for dialogue. I've had to memorize in nine pages of dialogue, mostly a monologue. And I think I think people sometimes are like, oh, it's just fucking, or oh, you know, it's just porno with shitty acting and bad dialogue. But the the ones who take it seriously, like I I have three best actress awards. That doesn't happen very often. The whole span of my Career and I'm sorry, that's three avian best actress awards, if countless others, but like people that take it seriously, y'all just don't know how much work goes into it. So much work.
0: You have to do all the stuff that act you know, actors and actresses in, you know, the big mainstream films do. Plus you gotta actually do the fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, exactly. I mean you should get higher pay, in my opinion, but My opinion too. (laughs) I love that you've um had stunt coordinators and had to and firearm instructors. That's amazing. Um so for someone like me and younger people as well who are considering this type of career, can you give us a little starter pack of information, tips, things we absolutely need to know before you know we whip out a camera and start filming ourselves and putting it up online?
1: Yeah. I love this question. Uh, I love this question because I think that every time somebody comes in new to the business, I think they should be, I don't know, like if given a handbook is the right thing, but like, I just think like I got the speech about, Hey, this is always going to come back to haunt you. It was very helpful to me. I would have liked to have gotten a bit more information about some of the particulars, um, the business side of it. And, If you would have asked me this question, though, five, six, seven years ago, I would have cautioned people about getting into the adult industry. But now with all of this, all of these platforms that support content creators and you can really mold your career into exactly what you want it to be. Um, I think my, my number one piece of advice is fucking go for it. Like, good. If you want to do that, do that. Also, understand it will always come back to haunt you. So, I would definitely make that a piece of the package of advice. Um, The other few things that I would say are things like never take the first deal offered to you. And that goes for content creator platforms too, like shop around for a lower percentage or shop around for one that's going to promote you more or just have your back or you like their terms of service better. Mm, Terms of service. Always read the fine print in anything you sign. So if you end up doing scenes for companies, understand that you can be hired to do a scene, be paid one amount of money, and then they can take and resell that scene as many times as they want. They can comp it. They can put it in different movies. They can put it on different websites. You name it. You've just signed away your rights to the scene, which is fine. But make sure you got what you think that's worth. Um, also, they can change the name of the scene at the last minute. I can tell you that I've never done a movie called Jessica Drake is a filthy whore. Yet there it is on my credit <laughs> list. So I mean, and whether or not that's true, okay, it's true. Um, but like, I I was very surprised when that movie came out because at the time I was doing like super high end big budget movies. And then all of a sudden in my credit list, you have just is still before. Um, so yeah, just, just be cognizant of that. And also, you know, the, all the regular stuff, like pay your taxes, save some money. Like when you first get in, it, it's amazing because the money is so good because you're new and everybody wants to shoot you or you're, if you're your own content producer, you're brand new. So you have new girl appeal, Um, And no one has seen all of your stuff yet. So it's just really important to be mindful of that. And there's nothing wrong with like taking a a vacation as a brand new performer or, or buying yourself great wardrobe and shoes as a new performer. If you've never had a chance to do any of that before, but just be very mindful that you have to pay your taxes. And I say this after having 20 plus years in the industry, but It doesn't last forever. You know, you have to have some kind of a plan, even if that plan changes. Um, I think that's another reason I'm so glad I came in as late as I did in life, because I already had a chance to blow through some of that stripper money. So I was a bit more careful with the money that I've earned in this industry. Um, Yeah, I mean, and, and I think another really important thing is to just be very true to yourself. Own your no. You have the ability to say no to anyone about anything at any time. And if somebody or something is making you feel uncomfortable, you really, please stand up for yourself. Um, And especially if you're an independent content creator, sort of in your own little world, if you're shooting content with other people, there's nobody else there to take up for you. So... I know it's hard sometimes. And I know if it's in a business situation, it can be very intimidating. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to. Nobody has your back better than you do.
0: That's great advice. Speaking about the longevity of the job, I think this is a perfect time to wrap things up with you while you still do create content, you are also doing other big things. So can we talk a little bit about those things?
1: Yes, um and it's all the things that I'm really passionate about. So about ten-ish years ago, I was doing autograph signings and appearances everywhere and people would wait in line to get their photo taken with me and a really interesting thing started happening. Everyone started coming to me for sex advice. Um, and two people in particular really changed everything about my career. So the first person was a woman who was in her, I think about mid forties, who had been married for 15 years, who wasn't orgasming. And the thing is, she had trained her partner to not make her orgasm. And he thought she was, and she was like, what do I do after 15 years? You know, I don't even think I've ever had an orgasm. Oh, um, so that was, that was something I communicated with her for a number of months and, um, through a lot of information and education and self-exploration, she started having orgasms and where we left off was me encouraging her to bring toys into the bedroom so that she could experience orgasms with her partner as well and hope that, that would give way to having orgasms with her partner. The other people that I encountered, um, they were a couple who came up to me very seriously and said, There's there's something wrong with her. Like we we just can't do what you do. And I didn't understand what they meant. And I talked to them a little bit more, and they were talking about anal sex. I love anal sex. Yeah. And also. Yeah,
0: yep, yep. <laughs> also.
1: You can't just go from zero to full on anal penetration right then and there. It just doesn't. It made me understand that folks were missing this big piece of sex education that had to do with pleasure uh, and boundaries and consent and, and very shame free, non judgmental sex ed. And so when that happened, I immediately signed up, well, after some research, but I immediately signed up to take courses to be a certified sex educator. Um, I only thought I knew a lot before I went to some of these programs. And along the way, um, I mean, as recently as last year, I, I keep going to conferences and I keep going to SARS and you know, I keep learning and I'm able to use that to help other people. But 10 plus years ago, I used it as a springboard to create a line of educational movies for people called Jessica Drake's guide to wicked sex. And they are on DVD and they're, they, they're also streaming. Um, and there there are so many topics from foreplay to blowjobs to, um, masturbation to anal play, my favorite ones are Kama Sutra, BDSM for Beginners, and Senior Sex. Senior Sex, I created right before the pandemic with a very dear friend of mine who's about to turn 80 years old. Her name is Joan Price. And Joan is an author and a senior sex educator, and I mean, really just the expert on senior sex. So I have directed Written, directed, produced, narrated, all of these movies um, with a thought that there may still be more to come. We're definitely talking about a sequel for Senior Sex and a sequel to BDSM for Beginners. Um, And I teach a lot of classes. I train all over the world. I speak at universities. And for as long as Wicked Sensual Care has been around, we are an amazing lubricant company. I have been the brand strategist and in-house sex educator for Wicked Central Care. About a year ago, I also uh, started taking over the role of uh, marketing and product development. So my plate is super, super full, but all of the education that I've had from all of the sex ed certifications is certainly Making me very satisfied in the positions that I'm occupying right now. Um, I'm very passionate about everything that I've got my paws in. Um, and it's just really fulfilling. Like I'm I'm now getting to see a lot of years of a lot of really hard work come to fruition um, in things like we have just launched a line of lubricants called simply timeless for people experiencing perimenopause menopause and beyond and what makes these so incredibly different are the supportive nourishing hydrating ingredients they can all be used as vaginal moisturizers they all provide extra hydration and they have a lot of ingredients that you will find echoed in really high-end skincare. And so we're really excited. I'm really excited to be a part of doing things like this and getting getting sex and aging into the spotlight and helping people talk about it very easily. And we were, we're all getting older. Joan Price says this, we're all seniors in training. And it's so true. And when people are are like yucking somebody's yams. oh, that's grandma sex or ooh, I don't want to think about old people having sex. I always ask them, what age do you want to stop having sex at? What age is too old for you to feel pleasure? That always kind of catches them off guard. so <laughs> but that's sort of everything now and we I think we've come full circle and yeah i'm I'm super thrilled and super happy to be here and also, If you would like, if you do things like this on your show, I would love to build a gift box of lube. And if you want to do a giveaway, you're more than welcome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to cover that. And I would love to do a giveaway. So folks, you're going to want to stay tuned. I will be sending out an e-newsletter with that information and promoting it uh, so that you guys know what to do. To get Woo. that gift box because and I'm excited. I'm yeah, I'm excited. Well, and well, now we've come full circle from lube and condom girl to now. <laughs> Look at where lube you... and condom girl <laughs> <laughs> didn't see that coming. <laughs> Never.
1: Never.
0: No, it is. I'm... So I have read about this, and I believe I have some samples coming my way. But the bottom line is, I, I've read about this product and. It is fantastic. And women who I am in the middle of perimenopause, and we have talked about it on this podcast a lot. And, you know, perimenopause and menopause, we are not going through what your mothers and grandmothers did. Like we aren't. We are women in my age range. We definitely are not adhering to the stereotypes that we are. I'm having more. I always tell people I'm having more and better sex now than I've had in my entire life, even going through this. But it is super important uh, for me to have the right products, definitely the right lube, which really I needed my whole life. But here we are. And um, knowing how to take care of my body and then making sure my partners get like, here's what I need. And, And I find that. A lot of what has been an underlying theme in your speaking today is once you have your voice, like I think women our age do, and we know our bodies, uh, and we tell whoever gets to play with this body what we need to get off, I find most 99% of the time they will hop to, like do it. And so this giveaway is going to be a huge treat to whoever wins it because it means lots of fantastic orgasms whether you're fucking yourself or someone else is fucking you I'm a big fan of fucking myself so orgasms are powerful and I have mentioned this on this podcast before I believe if every woman was able to fully learn how to experience pleasure and orgasm we would take over the world because I do believe that our orgasmic potential is super powerful and it turns us into totally different beings (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Agree.
0: Just saying. Well, I want to thank you for being on. Now, before we end this, can you tell people where they can find you? So
1: on Twitter, you can find me at the Jessica Drake. On Instagram, Jessica Drake. You can find our amazing lubes at wickedsensualcare.com. You can also find a way to purchase those lubes, some of my favorite toys, my fleshlight, my real doll, and some of my movies at GuideToWickedSex.com. And I also want to quickly mention that I am on the board of two nonprofits that are really important to me. Um, One is called Feed the Streets LA, and I'll give you the information to, to drop down about that. Feed uh, Streets LA is a nonprofit here in Los Angeles. I'm the vice president of the LA chapter. And we try to meet the needs of people who are unhoused and also folks who are food insecure. As you might imagine, LA is very expensive. So we are helping out a lot of people right now. Um, and the other nonprofit that I'm involved with is something very near and dear to my heart for many reasons. It's called Tending the Garden. And Tending the Garden is a nonprofit that supports marginalized survivors of sexual assault. Um, both of those completely different organizations that I care about for many different reasons. But if anyone would like to support me through either one of those organizations, it would be exceptionally meaningful my Birthdays coming up. <laughs> and I'll post more information on my social media because for my birthday, all I want to do is fundraisers for both of those works. So,
0: can you give us your birthday one more time? It's October the 14th. All right. Libre season. Libra season. So, October 14th, you can gift her by supporting her nonprofits. I love that idea. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. It has exceeded all of my hopes and dreams about what it would be. So I want Yay!
1: to. Yay. Thank you for having me. You ask really great, thoughtful questions. And Thank also you. you pay attention. That, that really helps.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, this, is, this is my passion. And I think our passions align quite a bit, uh, which is what has made it a special conversation. Love it. So to all of my listeners, until next time. I'll see you in the locker room. Cheers. Cheers, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Ring loop. Bring sexy back in 2024 with hot lingerie, sensual body products, and adventurous sex toys from lovehoney.com. All at a 15% discount with code EXPLORES15. Embrace your inner bombshell with their gorgeous brawn panty sets baby dolls, and corsets. Then explore your desires with their line of toys that range from Vanilla is My Flavor to Tie Me Up and Call Me Good Girl Daddy. And don't forget to treat yourself to a massage candle or essential body oil. All for 15% off with code EXPLORES15 when you shop lovehoney.com. That's right, 15% off on lingerie, sex toys, and more when you shop lovehoney.com and use code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers.